You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue to read your mail here on TPC, this first show of the brand new year. What a year it's going to be. I can't wait. Again, as I said last week, not with a sense of apprehension, but with a sense of anticipation. I embrace the coming year. Uh, This coming in from an international listener. Hello, James, another year has gone by quickly. Uh, thank you for your continued efforts on behalf of our people. I always look forward to TPC. My wife, my son, and I are headed to Puerto Vallarta for 10 days to celebrate Christmas. We needed a break from Canada. <laughs> well, thank you so much for writing and the beautiful Christmas card. You know, Keith, we could have festooned the whole station, not just the studio, with the cards that we received uh, this year. And that was a fantastic one. Listeners all over the world tuning into TPC. And uh, here's one from a little closer to home. Thanks for all the work you do to put on such great shows every week. Can't wait to see you in South Carolina. Well, you will see us in South Carolina. Again, I promise you that. And uh, here is one from Pennsylvania, across the country and around the world. Dear James, you, your loved ones, and associates at the Political Cesspool are in my daily prayers. I also continue to pray that your outreach greatly increases. Well, we certainly need it, and he wishes us a very blessed and productive 2024. Uh, Keith, you know, we had a great talk in the last hour with that guest, uh, but an interesting talk in the uh, break uh, between the second and third hours about the fact that he was a very close and personal friend with Willis Carter, who, of course, has become, you know, so maligned in, in the press, you know, as this rabid anti-Semite. Well, I knew Willis. One of the foundational figures of our movement. He, he certainly is. And Paymon told me, and, and I asked him if I could share this with the audience, and he said, absolutely, please do. I want you to, because I, I, I didn't want to betray a confidence. But he said not only did he know Willis, but that he was good friends with Willis, and that Willis always ran his ads free of charge. And that he always complimented Paymon Montejeda for uh, his work and the things that he talked about. So a, a great acquaintance to make tonight, our first time to talk to him. But anybody that's a friend of Willis Carto is certainly a friend of mine. And I shared with him that Willis Carto, uh, after I had run for office in 2002, uh, gave me a little home writing for American Free Press before the radio show got started in 2004. And then, of course, uh, I went back and uh, after I got banned from Twitter and started writing for them again in June. And that is how he actually heard about me, not through the radio, but through the American Free Press. And that's what got me the invitation to speak at this conference. You're like Haley's Comet. You, uh, <laughs> you, you got back into the orbit 75 years later. Well, you wanted to say something, though. Right. I was listening to Paymon, and I, it, something occurred to me. Why, are, why is the IRS not hassling non-filers? Are you going to pay your taxes this year filers? after you listen to that? Uh, well, I'm, I'm considering <laughs> Let me say this. But I think I've discovered it, and that it probably wouldn't apply to me not being prosecuted. I think what they do is if you don't file, they assume you're a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> and, what, and if you're a Democrat and you haven't paid, they think that if they hassle you, you will actually file and then ask for the earned income credit and cost them money rather than... <laughs> 
So that that may be. Well, it was the, an, you know, again, off the beaten path, not our standard fare, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting on a lot of levels. People can make their own decisions up. We're not endorsing or or disavow. You know, we, learn more and make your own decision. Well, That's they what say. Give, give light, and the people shall find their own way. Uh, no, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, fun interview. A fun interview to have. Well, anyway, uh, we've got to talk about something, unfortunately. Uh, much more ominous here. And uh, tonight is the anniversary of so many things. Uh, good, bad, and ugly. Uh, what, what am I, ugly? Well, you're, you're the good. No, <laughs> this being your birthday, Keith, you're the good. Uh, the bad would be that it's January 6th. I, I don't even think we've even mentioned that yet. It's J6. It's January the 6th. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, what, what does that make you think of, obviously? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, the, the violation of uh, habeas corpus uh, on a grand scale. So, 73 years ago today, Keith Alexander was born. Uh, three years ago today. J6 uh, as uh, the so-called insurrection to upset the election and unfortunately uh, insurrection of grandmas and granddads taking selfies in the uh, <laughs> statuary the, hall yeah right. and unfortunately uh, 16 years ago today the brutal interracial black on white rape and murder of and torture Channing well that ain't torture but, yeah, they did do that. Uh, Channing Christian and Christopher Newsom. You know, I hate to even say this. I shudder at the thought. 16 years ago tonight, it could have been happening right now. 9-10 well, and 9-12. We need to make use of this for good purposes now. I think that all white people that live in uh, areas that either have a majority black population or a large black population need to start carrying around pepper spray or a taser or a burner or one of these things like this, a non-lethal way to defend yourself from this. Because what happened to this couple is so horrendous that I, you know, you shudder to even talk about it because, you know, you cannot imagine the depths of cruelty and depravity that were visited upon these people. And if they had had a taser or a pepper spray or a burner of some type to repel these people, they'd probably still be alive today. We need to take that to heart, folks. You know, rather than talking about this, wringing our hands, complaining about it, let's take some steps to protect ourselves from this type of uh, fate. Well, what you had here, of course, was the situation of two young white college sweethearts, Shannon Christian and Christopher Newsom, and they had arrived at the parking lot of a apartment complex. They were going to attend a get-together there, and they were besieged upon by a pack of five blacks. Feral blacks. And Ken Givadan of DailyKen.com reminds us of the tragic event that occurred 16 years ago this weekend. It was on January 6, 2007, that Shannon Christian, 21 years old, and Christopher Newsom, 23, were carjacked at gunpoint by Lamericus Davidson, who forced them into his home. There, Davidson, along with Latalvis Cobbins and George Thomas, aided by Eric Dwayne Boyd and Vanessa Coleman, bound, gagged, and blindfolded Christopher and repeatedly sodomized him, making his girlfriend watch. After several hours, they shot him in the head. They dragged his body to nearby railroad tracks and shot him twice more. They then poured gasoline on his body. They set him on fire, and they returned to the house. Over the next few days, they tortured Channon, female, binding her, beating her repeatedly, and raping her repeatedly in every imaginable way. 
Her genital injuries were so severe that medical examiners believed that she was penetrated by a chair leg. They first they forced her to drink household cleaning projects, apparently trying to destroy DNA evidence. After days of torture, they covered her head with a trash bag and stuffed her still alive into a garbage can. She died slowly from suffocation as the perpetrators ate breakfast a few feet away from her. Uh, this event, known as the Knoxville Horror, was initially blacked out by the media, but as word of the crime leaked out, public outrage, including that from performer Charlie Daniels, forced news coverage to begin from the establishment agencies. Uh, Keith, you know, how often do we hear about Emmett Till? How often do we hear about the very, very exceedingly rare instances during the so-called civil rights movement uh, that whites engaged in acts of wanton violence? Uh, You hear about them all the time. There was a new movie about Emmett Till made just last year. And none of the things that happened during that era could have compared to this atrocity and this massacre and their names are lost to history, except for on this program where we remember it every year. Uh, but I say so often with regards to what violence there was in the South, the things that's so remarkable about it were how restrained white Southerners were during that era, an era that saw so much radical radical change being forced upon them in such a short amount of time. The only thing that I could say that's remarkable about the violence that they that the media loves to remind you of in the South was how little it was. Well, that's exactly right. And furthermore, as we've said on this show before, the whole civil rights movement and every other left-wing radical egalitarian movement that has followed upon its heels is based upon gaslighting, trying to make white people feel guilty about something they have no responsibility for, like the lack of black achievement and success in our society, and segregation. Segregation. What is, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Who's afraid of segregation? Segregation is natural and normal. Black people fought, pr- practice it every day. You know about, you've heard about black separate graduation ceremonies. You've heard about black separate dorms and black separate courses of study in college. Well, that is the segregationist impulse, and that goes without any type of uh, condemnation or criticism whatsoever. So we need to call BS on the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement was nothing but a psychological, uh, uh, you know, torture mechanism used. It was uh, it was a way of bamboozling white people into giving up their rights, giving up their society, and what has happened? Look at public education, 1954 under Brown versus Board of Education. They said that separate but equal was not satisfactory, did not satisfy the 14th Amendment. What has happened to public education in America since then? It has gone down the toilet. Back then we were number one in the world. Now we are number 37 or 38 at the very bottom of the first world. No one wants to discuss that. See, the left doesn't discuss anything that they don't want to discuss, and they keep preserving this uh, uh, narrative about the civil rights movement that it was righteous and holy. It was anything but that. What we need to draw from this is that basically black people are immune from being held responsible for their crimes 
violent crimes against white people like Christian, uh, uh, Shannon Newsom. So what should we do, folks? Go out, if you do nothing else, between now and next week when we have this show, buy yourself a burner, a taser, or a pepper spray, something particularly for the women in your life. And the men need to have that at the least in a firearm otherwise so they can protect themselves against black criminality, which has basically been green-lighted by our uh, uh, society and by the elites in our society. We need to protect ourselves, folks. The Knoxville Horror, getting back to that, a final word from Ken Givenden, our friend at uh, dailyken.com. That's with two ends, by the way. <laughs> You'll want to check it out. He is, uh, along with American Renaissance, dailyken.com really just a, a scribe with yeah, regards that's, to... That's where you go to find out about all the black-on-white crime that is and, not being reported how elsewhere. ubiquitous it is. And, you know, black-on-white rape is statistically non-existent. It doesn't even meet the you threshold white of... white-on-black red... rape. Yeah, excuse me. What did I say? Black-on-white. Well, I thought this was opposite day. But no, <laughs> right. excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you for the correction, Keith. White-on-black rape, of course, is statistically non-existent. It doesn't even... The number of occurrences... It's less than 10 every year because 10 and less doesn't even show up on the Justice Department's uh, uh, algorithm. And you can't even imagine how many black-on-white rapes there well, are. It's but basically then, 100 a day. And then, and then black-on-white murder and homicides is almost statistically non-existent. But then, you know, but that's all you hear about. You, but listen to this from Daily Ken. Uh, the Knoxville Horror is one of many examples of especially heinous black-on-white crimes involving kidnap, torture, and murder. These types of murders are becoming more numerous, more brutal, and more brazen. But I wonder if Shannon Christian, the 21-year-old young girl who 16 years ago tonight was was murdered, was was she able to say, I can't breathe? You know, remember, every time it involves some petty black criminal with a rap sheet as long as your leg, uh, whether it be George Floyd or... Freddie Gray or Freddie Alvin. Gray, I can't breathe. You know, I, I, all of the NBA players, everybody wearing T-shirts, I can't breathe. I wonder if she said that as she suffered in that garbage can with a plastic trash bag wrapped around her head. Has she been able to? Would it have even mattered? Because her pleas would have fallen on deaf ears uh, of those who did what they did because these two people were white. They, did, they would not have killed them had they not been white. Punish the news media that, starts, that continues to promote these uh, specious and imaginary crimes against blacks like uh, George Floyd and Freddie Gray and instead find something wrong with, uh, you know, for example, they're, they're continuing to harp on Emmett Till as if he died just yesterday, okay? This is what we need. This to is about with. five decades more recent, and you don't hear anything about it. Don't tune in no, to the nothing. news that reports Google. it. Don't read the newspapers. Don't subscribe to the newspapers or the magazines. And speak out against it at every opportunity when somebody brings it up. Let people know that there is a part of the white population that is awake and alive and alert and knows uh, BS when they hear it, and they're not going to be pushed around anymore. This is the anniversary of their death, of this horrific event, 16 years ago today. Google their names and see if anybody's talking about it in the mainstream media except for us. Now, I will tell you, though, and this just goes to show how much media has changed. 16 years ago, I was invited on CNN to debate the spokesman from the NAACP 
about this incident when they finally started covering it. Now, it happened in January, but and it was They were forced to cover it because of the efforts of people like James. And it wasn't until the fall of that year that the media began to talk about it, months after the case. And I debated, if you can call it that, the spokesman for the NAACP on CNN, primetime, their 8 o'clock Eastern show, 7 o'clock Central, and this is what it sounded like 16 years ago. We're ready to play it now. Joining me now to talk about this, the Reverend Ezra Mays, president of the Knoxville chapter of the NAACP. Thanks for being with us tonight. Also, James Edwards, who hosts the conservative radio talk show, The Political Cesspool. And thanks to you as well for being with us. How's it going, Karen? Thank you for having me. Well, James, James, I just want to ask you about the Knox County District Attorney General's Office, the special counsel, saying there's nothing whatsoever that indicates any hate crime he also goes on to say there are things that really coincidentally prove just the opposite. So why has this case become a rallying cry among the white supremacists, fringe groups, and even conservative columnists online? Well, I can't necessarily speak for, for people that I don't have any association with, but I'll tell you this. I believe that probably the government officials in Knoxville are concerned with being labeled white supremacists for taking a conservative point of view on this issue. They probably don't want to defy the false gods of political correctness. What you have here, Kieran, is a horribly wicked crime in which two young college students were carjacked, held captive, and raped before being murdered. Now, if that isn't a hate crime, then I don't know, I don't know what is. If found guilty, these perpetrators should face swift justice, and the firing squad would be too lenient for him, but I'll promise you this, had the roles been reversed and had the victims been black and the murderers white, this would have been the biggest news story in America on every nightly newscast back in February when this originally occurred. Reverend Mays, do you agree with that, that if this had been reversed racially, we would have heard much more about it? I beg to differ. I believe that it ha had it been reversed racially, you would not have heard anything about it. Oh, uh, I, 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 I believe I believe that this has received um, some national attention, and uh, I do not believe that it was a race crime. Uh, I believe that it was a crime that was committed. Um, I am not one to judge. I cannot say guilty or not guilty. I do say that we do feel for the families of those who have lost loved ones, and you cannot be human and not feel sympathetic. Uh, for those who have lost loved ones. Uh, I do not agree with the crime, nor do I believe that it was a hate crime. Karen, I, I believe there's not a doubt in anyone's mind in America that if the racism in this instance had been reversed, that the NAACP would have been howling that this would have been classified as a hate crime. The NAACP never believes that brutal acts of violence committed by blacks against whites is motivated by racial hatred. And certainly, um, you know, the NAACP couldn't provide America tonight with an equivalent random act of violence I, 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 committed by I, I, blacks against other blacks that can compare to this massacre. All right, so it continued on from there. We actually have the full transcript available for you tonight at thepoliticalcesspool.org. That was CNN. Interestingly, CNN, you know, back when I was appearing with them, back when they kept having me on in the mid-2000s, they always referred to me as a conservative talk radio host. They still cover the political cesspool. They just never talk to us. I, I was in the news on CNN just last month. I was the white supremacist radio host. Nothing's ever changed about my viewpoints on the issue. The reason they had me on the show is because they knew I would talk about these issues in that way. I was a conservative then. I'm a white supremacist now, but that's an aside. Well, the reason you're no longer on CNN is because you whip their tails whenever they, you know, uh, you, you absolutely won that debate hands down. Every time you appeared on CNN, you, uh, you know, you you uh, wore the <laughs> wore the daylights out of Roland Martin and anyone else they uh, would trot out to be the spokesman for the other side. Well, by all means, just keep going. You're making me feel really yeah, good. Yeah, well, this is, this is exactly what <laughs> well, happened. Now, you know, if you win. 
then you disappear into the netherworld. You and then go you be- into, you're cast into the outer <laughs> darkness, which is what they did to you. Meanwhile, these nincompoops like Roland Martin still have sinecures where they make probably around a million dollars a year for blathering a bunch of nonsense. We're singing for nickels and dimes, but uh, relatively speaking. Now, I'm thankful for all the support we get. It keeps us on the air. Hey, folks, if you didn't support us in, in December, and we're not here. We do, we're not doing it for money. We're doing it because truth is important. And as Alexander Solzhenitsyn famously said, we live by his motto, live not by lies. Now, let me ask you this, though, Keith. And this is the reason I wanted to play that clip again, is to get the spokesman for the NAACP at that time. Uh, I was mistaken in one thing in that interview, as you heard. I I said uh, they had me on in August, I believe, of 2007 to talk about this. I said that it happened in February. It happened in January, uh, January 6th. Tonight is the anniversary. I said it happened in February. The media would have been covering it in February had it been uh, whites on black. Had had it been five, uh, uh, five white men who found two black college sweethearts who were on their way to a party party and did all of this to them, do you think you would have heard about it? The NAACP spokesman said you wouldn't have heard about it had it been that way. And the only reason he said on CNN, primetime television, in that debate with me, that the only reason you heard about this was because it was black on white. Had it been white on black, he said you wouldn't have heard about it. Now, everybody knows what a joke that is. But the question to you, Keith, is not is that a joke or not and, you know, pile on and talk about how ridiculous it is. We know that. Can you live in a society with people that far removed from reality? Well, you know what Can you happened. share a cohesive existence with people that far gone? No. Look, those people live in a different world, and we do not want to share their world with them. Here is the situation. Think about James Byrd, the black guy that was supposedly dragged behind a uh, pickup truck. I mean, that stayed in the news for years. Then, uh, you know, we've had other events like that happen where it's uh, white on black crime. They never get enough of them, like Emmett Till. Emmett Till is evergreen. I mean, it's 1955. <laughs> it might as well have been yesterday. But what this shows. And by the way, even that situation, I know the media likes to said it was just a dog whistle. He didn't deserve to die like that, but it was probably more than that. No, it, look, there's he a, didn't a, just wolf the whistle. whole truth about it. We've gone into this several times, and we can do it again. No, they, let's not right now. They, let's they, keep they, the focus on the, on the victims here. But, yeah, but, but I'm just saying, yes. Yeah, but what you need to do, folks, you know, if you want to protect yourself, if you don't want to be the next Channon or Newsom, get that taser. And if somebody, if a black person tries to take you on or a group of them do, fry them with that taser. That's, what, that, that's the way to protect yourself. Uh, I don't want to have, uh, you know, equal treatment before the news media. I want there to be no news about it because uh, the white people successfully defended themselves. Well, interestingly, of all the times CNN interviewed me, that was the last time. That's because you beat him from pillar to post in that thing. Uh, well, uh, but I, I would say this. We bring it back up. May we never forget the victims. Chan and Christian, say their names. Say their names. That's what they say anytime a black drug dealer, you know, overdoses on fentanyl. Say his name. Say their names. Shannon Christian and Christopher Newsom, may we never forget the victims and may we work in their memory remember what to make happened. society a safer and saner place. Well, what happened to these perpetrators, to these uh, animals? Well, they went to prison, you know. But well, no, first of all, they were let off and then they well, found they didn't out get let the off. Judge. They didn't get let off because the judge was drunk. He was drinking while he was on the job. So they retried it. They were never let go. They There's are in more prison. More than that, he was found to be complicit. He was also kind of on the take. So they basically, uh, well, here's what they did. They all went to prison, though. 
Well, they went to prison for very short periods of no, time. No, they did not. They did not. They did not but, go to but, prison for a short time. I got it right here. I got it right here. Uh, it's right me. here. Uh, what they did, uh, let me just scroll back up to it. They certainly didn't go to uh, jail for the rest of their lives no, like they Derek did. Chauvin. Did I, I got it right here. No, I got it right here. Uh, Lamericus Davidson was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Latalvis Cobbins and George Thomas were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Vanessa Coleman was sentenced to 53 years. And Eric Duran Boyd was sentenced to 18 years. Well, the big years. question. The, so, I mean, 20, that, that's pretty stout sentence. Look, the $64,000 question is, one, was that guy ever executed? I'll bet you a dollar to a dollar. Well, I mean, it, no, not. you can live on furthermore, death row forever. Those, look, furthermore, those other people, I would also bet you a dollar to a donut sold that all of them are released from jail by now. No. This is the no, way No, I don't happen. think so. I don't think so. Well, okay, let's look into it and find out. Uh, they all got life sentences or the death penalty, except for one who got 53 years. And, well, there was five of them. One got death, one got uh, two got life, one got 53 years, one got 18 years. 18 okay. years when it's probably going to get out. Well, I'll give well, you that. Well, look, I guarantee you. Look, let's look into it, but I bet you more than uh, not we got are the great, walking around I doubt. free now. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Laura Winters. Power outages possible along the East Coast this weekend as New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut gear up for the first snowstorm of the season. Heavy rain expected in the Southeast, a wintry mix in Washington, D.C. and parts of Virginia. To politics now, the U.S. Supreme Court will take up the Trump-Colorado ballot case on February 8th. While on the campaign trail in Iowa, Florida Governor Republican Ron DeSantis asked if he thinks for Former President Trump should be removed from the ballot because of the January 6th riot at the Capitol back in 2021. DeSantis says Trump hasn't been convicted of anything and warns removing him could lead to President Biden being removed from Florida's ballot for letting millions of illegal aliens into our country via our southern border with Mexico. Here's DeSantis. You could make a case, and we're actually, I'm actually looking at this in Florida now, could we make a credible case that Biden, because of the invasion of 8 million. And again, I don't think that's the, the right way to do it, but I think if, if this is going to happen for them, uh, what I don't believe is fighting with, with one hand tied behind your back. Whatever the rules are applied to us, we're going to fight, fight back, apply the rules the other way. Meanwhile, President Biden campaigning Friday in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, saying former President Trump's campaign is all about Trump and not the future. Democracy is on the ballot. Your freedom is on the ballot. And former President Trump with events in Sioux City and Mason City, Iowa, mocking Biden. That's why Crooked Joe is staging his pathetic fear-mongering campaign event in Pennsylvania today. Did you see him? He was stuttering through the whole thing. He's going, he's a threat to democracy. They've weaponized government. He's saying, I'm a threat to democracy. He's a threat to democracy. This is USA News. I've got a unique vacation idea for you that's right here in the United States. If you're ready for a vacation that's fun and downright affordable, listen up. It's driving distance for many of you, so no planes, no airline delays, no hassles. It's Branson, Missouri, the entertainment capital of the Midwest. Live music for everyone. Branson has three beautiful, enormous lakes, water attractions, live shows, great food, and tons of entertainment. It's a perfect vacation for you and your family, or if you're retired and you want to have a great time. And you can stay in 
Branson for as low as $99 a night. Please understand, this is not a timeshare offer. It's a real vacation for as little as $99 a night. We've got a free vacation guide we want to send you right now. All you have to do is call for complete details. Get your free Branson, Missouri guide right now by calling this number. 800 Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of the Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Hello, TPC family. It's James, and I've got to tell you that I sleep better at night knowing that there are organizations like the Conservative Citizens Foundation. The purpose of the Conservative Citizens Foundation is to promote the principles of limited government, individual liberty, equality before the law, property rights, law and order, judicial restraint, and states' rights, while at the same time exploring the dangers posed by liberalism to our national interests and cultural institutions. The Conservative Citizens Foundation also seeks to educate the public on the dangers of extremist ideologies like critical race theory and cultural Marxism. I've worked with the good people at the Conservative Citizens Foundation for many years and their work comes with my complete endorsement. For more information and to keep up with all the latest conservative news headlines, please check out their website, MericaFirst.com That's M-E-R-I-C-A 1-S-T dot com MericaFirst.com All right, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. What a show to start off the year, Keith. It's been vast and varied, and uh, I hate to even pivot into something else now after uh, you know having to talk about something like the Knoxville horror. But 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 certainly, I from, think from, from the uh, absurd to the ridiculous. Well, I think it's it. Not everybody who lives in a diverse society is going to suffer that fate, but everybody who lives in a diverse society has to consider that it may happen. And even Jesse Jackson. The odious and reprehensible Jesse Jackson said when he hears footsteps at night in a dark alley, he, he breathes a sigh of relief when they're white. And here's the thing. You know, again, this new Emmett Till movie, uh, what, about, what about Connor Hynut, uh, th- this young white boy who was shot in the head for riding his bike out of, the, out of the blue by his black neighbor, Kinsley White, this young girl who she and her father were shot by a black neighbor because the basketball rolled into his yard. He shot her in the head and shot his father, shot her father. Christian and Newsom, 
And so again, much, so think, much for racial integration in your neighborhood. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you think they would have made a movie if it had been five whites that had besieged five, uh, two black college sweethearts? Do you think they made a movie about it like oh, they did at Till? Oh, oh, absolutely. But have let you me heard about you, it a little bit more? One thing, not thankfully, we don't have everybody suffering situations like Shannon and Newsom and uh, Connor Heinen and stuff like that. But we do have people all over the place, including yours truly, that have suffered from affirmative action hiring and uh, admission practices in select colleges well, and universities like our next subject, Claudine Gay. <laughs> We're about to get into that. But I would just say this in closing. The way the media treats white-on-black crime, as few as it is, and as not existent as it is, frankly, even you have to go back to the 50s to even find a couple of examples. And again, what's remarkable about those is how few they were. Uh, and then fast forward to just the countless, I mean, literally countless examples of black-on-white rape, murder, and violence. It is a disgusting and a criminal and an evil media. Shame on all of you, and there should be no forgiveness for these people ever. Well, the way it comes is this, for example, denying a black person the right to order uh, a meal at a diner back in the 50s is a much worse crime than killing, torturing, and uh, raping uh, white teenagers. Well, according to the amount of coverage bestowed upon it, yes, you'd have to consider that. Now, let's talk this. You, you, you gave the, the preview. <laughs> Claudine Gay, the... Appropriately named, I'm sure. No, she's actually married to a white man. Can you believe it? This well, bald-headed black woman who was the former uh, president of Harvard. What, what was her? She was the president of Harvard? What is President it? of Harvard. Now she is no longer the president, but making the same money well, she's making, for teaching two classes. She had to spend, almost a million dollars a year. To be on the Harvard faculty. Yes. So basically she made sure that the money stayed right, and she uh, acquiesced to uh, being defrocked from being the president. Break down the story. Tell the people what happened while Claudine Gay, the former bald-headed black woman president of Harvard. And I'm sure she was more qualified than anybody else who was in, oh, in line for that oh, position. Oh, oh yeah. I'm no sure. doubt about it, of course. But tell us what happened and why she has yeah, fallen. She, she, took, she took time out from curing cancer to do, uh, be the uh, president. Why is uh, she in the news? President. She's in the news because she was called before Congress to testify before Congress in a Jewish uh, uh a congresswoman named Stephanie Jafonic, I believe it is, Jafonic, about why she wasn't tougher on these pro-Palestinian demonstrators, why she didn't kick them out, why she didn't uh, give them the electric chair or something else, uh, which uh, apparently, according to uh, Jewish power and influence in America, they so richly deserved for daring to protest against the treatment of Palestinians who are being basically genocided over in Gaza by the Israeli government and the uh, IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. Well, she was asked whether saying death to the Jews or chanting that is a <laughs> uh, violation of uh, the rules that govern student conduct at Harvard. And uh, they had a person from the University of Pennsylvania and I think MIT and some other places and they all said, well, it depends on the context. Well, that didn't satisfy the Jewish uh, uh, well, hellhounds baying for uh, their, uh, uh, you know, uh, death, basically. So they, you, they said that she needs to step down. Well, 
they couldn't get that. That was too much. Make it because you know in the hierarchy of the left, blacks out of uh, rank everybody, including Jews. But Jewish power and influence controls most of the money that goes into feeding the endowments of these select Ivy League colleges. So what did they do? They cast around and said that she had plagiarized all sorts of, uh, you know, academic papers that she had submitted for peer review. And they, you know, of course, the dirty little secret is that most of the black uh, people that are getting promoted to these positions, like president of Harvard and whatnot, have done that, and of course they're only following in the footsteps of that greatest mentor of all, Martin Luther King, who plagiarized right. his doctoral thesis at Crozier Theological <laughs> Seminary. Crozier Theological Seminary admitted that, but were they going to revoke his uh, doctoral degree? Well, Heck no. What about, yeah, I mean, he actually, he also disputed every fundamental of the Christian faith, and he was still a reverend somehow. I didn't believe yeah, in any of it. If you've ever heard the Apostles' Creed, the only thing that he endorsed <laughs> out of the laundry list of, uh, you know, theories and of uh, religious tenets that you're supposed to believe to, as a minimum, to be a real Christian, the only thing he believed in was forgiveness of sins, and he, in his personal life he had plenty of reason to want to endorse the concept of forgiveness of sin by God. <laughs> Wall Street Journal headline, Harvard president resigns after plagiarism allegation. She blames personal attacks and threats fueled by racism. Uh, so there's that. Harvard University president Claudine Gay has resigned after facing mounting criticism over how she responded to anti-Semitism on campus and most recently allegations that she plagiarized the work of other researchers on multiple occasions. Uh, she is stepping down but would return to the faculty. She still gets to step down to a $900,000 position job. But I, but I would say this, Keith, and, and I want you to respond to this. I mean, I think she was just keeping it real. Her Lord and Savior, Martin Luther King, never got in trouble for plagiarism, and she only lifted a few passages from time to time. He plagiarized the whole damn thing. And, <laughs> and you know, so why should she get kicked out for that? She's just keeping it real, following in the well, we footsteps all know of the, the answer God. To that is because the Jews wanted her out, and the Jews did not want Martin Luther King out. I tell you what it is. She's like uh, Algonquin J. Calhoun in the old Al uh, Amos and Andy episode when they asked him if he denied the allegation, and he said, when the judge asked him that, he said, I not only deny the allegation, I resent the alligator. Well, she, <laughs> she resents the alligator, too. Uh, now, and then she pivoted into, to say that uh, it was racist. Uh, you, know, you know, Of course, racism was the, the bottom line here. What is it racist to assume that a black woman ought to do her own research and not plagiarize? But again, I, I, I say... No, again, that's asking too much of black people, according to the woke of uh, mavens that seem to be governing academia nowadays. You know, Plagiarism is just a, f a crime that white people can uh, commit, but definitely not black people under any circumstances. Now, Al Sharpton uh, found a way to worm back into the headlines. Al not so Sharpton. <laughs> for this. Uh, she said that uh, this was on uh, Amran, Amran.com. Headline reads, uh, Al Sharpton, Harvard's president's resignation is an attack on every black woman in the United States. And then, uh, Henry Wolf at Amran wrote in the sub uh, caption, "Are all of them plagiarists?" 
So how is this an attack on every black woman in the United States to ask her to step down? Now, they said it is for plagiarism. I do think it probably was more to do with the, uh, the, the, the protest taking place on but campus. I do believe that she did plagiarize. and well, I have, have been, no doubt about that. And should have been kicked out or should have been disqualified for her uh, a, a position as president of Harvard because of it. But on the other hand, this is just a convenient crutch for Jewish power and influence to use because they wanted to get her out because she was insufficiently slavishly devoted to Jewish interests. All right. That's another thing I want to talk about. I'm going to come back and talk about Al Sharpton again in a second. But this thing, I mean, we all sort of had a little bit of uh, schadenfreude watching uh, all of these protests that are going against the Zionist state and watching them you know, lose the narrative a lot as a result of what happened since October in the Gaza Strip. But we've got to understand, we can't get too excited about the people who are being allowed to protest here. These are hardcore leftists, and they're not protesting Israel for the same reasons we would protest them. They are protesting them because they see them as white. They see them as colonizers. So it's still, they think they're sticking it to like the white man trying to colonize Gaza like uh, the whites trying to colonize. They're saying, no, wait a minute, we're not white, we're Jewish. It, well, that's the thing. So, I mean, we we sort of agree with them in terms of who they're targeting, but for a totally different reason. Are they protesting and being allowed to protest? They are protesting, they think, against whites and against colonization. So that goes back to a common denominator. And another part of it is that they have a lot of Palestinians and Muslims that have been let into the country through open the borders, and now Be right chickens back. are coming home. Antelope Hill Publishing is America's leading publisher of dissident books, bringing you a wide variety of new translations and original works on every subject from the Spanish Civil War to the funding behind the transgender movement. Antelope Hill publishes books that mainstream publishers won't touch, full of information that challenges the political status quo and brings real culture to the reading public at an affordable price. If you count yourself as a political dissident, then you owe it to yourself to check out the Antelope Hill catalog with exclusive offerings like Rebel Mountain by Kurt Eggers, a brand new reprint of the infamous You Gentiles by Marie Samuel, and now the treatise of a January 6th prisoner in the American regime. There is something there for everyone, and new titles are added every month. Check out the complete catalog today at antelopehillpublishing.com. That's antelopehillpublishing.com. I'm James Edwards, and I want you to check out antelopehillpublishing.com. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com Looking for an IT partner that truly understands your needs? Managed IT Services is the answer. We meet with you regularly to discuss your goals and form a tailored technology plan. Our customers have called us a trusted advisor who delivers. When it comes to IT, we do it all. Firewalls, cloud storage, server migration, and more. Say goodbye to long-term contracts and hello to a team that earns your business month after month. Call 801-706-6980 now and let Managed IT Services transform your IT experience.
And welcome back to the final segment of the show. Keith's got a special surprise for you. We're going to introduce it in just a couple of minutes. It was something he's been adamant about. He wanted to end it. lobbying for it all through the Christmas Not only that, I mean, he's been just really aggressive. He wanted to interrupt Brett McAtee's Christmas message to play this. So this is how important it is to him. So we'll we'll get to it. I promised that we'd get to it. I meant to get to it last week, last week of the the year, December still. But uh, I don't know what. We were busy last week. Last week was a hell of a show. Hell of a show, hell of a game. It just did not rise to the level of importance for James to put it on, but we're finally a day late in the dollar. Well, if it had been doo-wop, you would have had a better chance of <laughs> moving into the head of the line. Let's read a couple of more peop- uh, people's uh, correspondence from folks. One more thing I want to say about Al Sharpton. This has been a uh, variety show, to be sure. We've, right. uh, My goodness, I mean, that situation with the sexual assault allegations uh, the TPC has been dragged into of no fault of our own, and then uh, – Interesting yeah. guest in the second hour. Uh, of course, it's the ominous anniversary of so many things. Uh, right. Uh, January Including 6th. Me. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you, you stole my punch, though. I was going to say January 6th, the Knoxville Harkeet's birth. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, here is a listener, first-time uh, contributor, who sent in a very nice letter. And uh, he writes... I wanted to take the time to thank you and TPC for all the great work being done to propagate our cause. TPC is hands down the best program available promoting Christian, Southern, and Western European values and heritage. I came across TPC about a year ago, and I have not missed a show since. And we get a lot of emails and letters about like that from people who found the show. Even after all these years, they found it relatively recently, and they just tune in every week, and we're so thankful for that. You speak the absolute truth, and I look forward to the road ahead. I also wanted to enclose a small gift to show my appreciation and support for TPC. I did include... An extra bit of money because I would like to get an autographed copy of your book. I read The Honorable Calls of Free South and uh, after it was released, and I have to say, it is one of the best reads I've ever had the pleasure of reading, and I really hope for more content like it. Side note, I'm currently halfway through The Culture of Critique by Kevin McDonald. This is a guy really on the right path. And it's great, and I have The Sword of Christ on deck next, straight from Antelope Hill, sitting on the nightstand. You and your program have inspired me, and I hope to one day help contribute to our cause and believe that writing and submitting articles to such sites as Identity Dixie may be in my future. I feel my talents may be well-suited in that area. I want to give back to the cause and would one day love to be close to the level that you are on in this fight. Thanks again for all that y'all, you and Keith, don't want to forget to mention him, are doing at TPC. And I would say this to this writer, and Brad, this is from Brad in South Carolina. Brad, we're going to send you those books, and we're going to send you more than that. We're going to send you a nice gift package next week, so stay tuned. It's going to be in your mailbox probably by the time you hear this. But I would say this, don't be me. Be better than me. (laughs) Well, Do more than we've done. You can do it. Look, we need to have people awakening like this, having the scales fall from their eyes and figure out exactly what's actually been going on. It's uh, it's a never-ending uh, fight because the left, like the devil himself, never sleeps. A couple of more, and then we're going to get to Al Sharpton and then to Keith's song. Uh, happy holidays to James, Keith, and all the other excellent guests together. That you have created and sustained for many years now the best show, The Political Cesspool. That comes from a listener in Texas from Australia. 
from Australia. I want to sincerely thank you for the unique and brave content you bring to the airwaves every Saturday. Your show delves into topics often overlooked or avoided, providing a fresh and courageous perspective that is truly invaluable. As we move into 2024 and beyond, I look forward to your continued exploration of these important subjects and wish you ongoing success in your fearless broadcasting from a listener in Australia who's been with us for a long time all over the world. And finally, one more piece of correspondence that has flooded in since Christmas to this program from Illinois, a listener in Illinois. Thank you for your contributions to our people's future survival. Here's to a prosperous new year for all of us. And we've kicked off the new year, I think, in good fashion tonight. And uh, we'll be with you every Saturday. God help us. But Al Sharpton back in the news this week saying that it was racism that led to the demise of uh, Claudine Gay. You remember our uh, interaction with Al Sharpton all the way back in 2005? Yeah, we put the run on him, put the skier on him down there at Confederate Park and at Forest Park. Well, I'm going to read now an official uh, story about that. Uh, all the way back, this was less than a year into our inception. In 2005, the story reads, the staff of the political cesspool organized a rally at uh, Confederate Park in downtown Memphis, which along with two other Confederacy-themed parks at the time had been subject to a long-time controversy for honoring Confederate soldiers and ideals. The park had been criticized by a black Shelby County official, which attracted the notice of a New York-based activist Al Sharpton who was invited uh, to demonstrate in Memphis. Sharpton planned a march from downtown Memphis to another park honoring the Confederate Lieutenant General Nathan Bedford Forrest. Sharpton canceled the march after James Edwards and the political cesspool staff obtained a permit to demonstrate along his planned route located in downtown Memphis. Sharpton settled for a separate protest point at the demonstration, he argued that we need to show the rest of the world that honoring people like this is over, the day for honoring people like this is over, and said in an interview that his objections were not related to race but to Forrest's Civil War-era actions against the United States. Estimates of attendance at the – this was, Keith, less than a year into our run. Estimates of attendance at the rallies vary, but according to the Southern Poverty Law Center – James Edwards attracted about 200 white counter-demonstrators to the Confederate Park vigil, while Sharpton's protest at Forest Park attracted a few dozen black demonstrators whom Edwards referred to as rabble. Uh, That's from local news articles at the time, all the way back in 2005. I heard at the time it was the first time Sharpton had ever canceled one of his marches. I remember one where uh, I went clandestinely to a meeting in the uh, pyramid. I remember that. I remember the, yeah, I think yeah, I was, was that one this of them. one or was it one? Well, that, that, that was a, no, this was an outdoor thing. I remember this one. Yeah. Uh, but I remember the pyramid thing too. Yeah. It was a, yeah, but, um, but anyway, I mean, I'm just saying we've done this for a long time. You go back. I mean, we're in the news, in and out of the news. We've done this, we've done that, but uh, we never shrank from duty. When now, the call of duty uh, was there, we came through. Now the most important thing we could get to tonight, tell us what it is. This is a song from 1937 by the cartoon character Betty Boop called I Want You for Christmas. Listen to it. It's great. The musicianship and everything is superb in it. And the voice of Betty Boop is just absolutely Are we still within the 12 days of Christmas? No. Well, When did it end? It it ended on January the 5th, I guess. So that was yesterday, if you're listening live. All right. Well, all right. A little bit late. Today is Epiphany, supposedly. All right. Well, count, count 12 days from the 25th, and let's see whether that's uh, 
<laughs> do you count the 25th? Do you count today, or do you just count the days in between? How does that work? Anyway, hey, folks, one more Christmas song. Can you handle it, even though we're a week into the new year? Here it is. This is Keith. Keith was going nuts trying to get this to be played during Brett McAdee. He wanted to play that show. And I said we do it the next week. We forgot last week. Well, we week, tried it we before so that, too. Well, here we go. Thirties twang, you know, we still had a chance back then. Yeah, we have right. a chance now, but we had a different kind of chance back then. But yeah, okay, yeah, I like that. actually celebrating heterosexual unions too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> one more Christmas song to start off the new year. Can you handle it, folks? Well, that was good, Keith. I'm glad you suggested that. I'm glad you persisted in that. He, that that's back, a three. Back week... when women wanted men rather than other women. <laughs> that was uh, yeah. as as woke people today. Uh, uh, try to promote a month-long campaign uh, for Keith to get that on here, and we did. Happy birthday! What'd you do for your birthday? Well, uh, what I went to dinner, and then I uh, had a birthday party over at my uh, lady friend's house, and uh, then I've gotten uh, messages and uh, phone calls from my sons. You watched a movie made within the last fifty years, too. Do we want to mention that, or do we want to skip that? Oh no, we can mention that. All right. Uh, it was The Wolf of Wall Street. With Leonardo DiCaprio. And I learned that basically it tracks very closely my personal experience with the Bond daddies in Memphis. I remember boiler rooms just like the boiler rooms that were uh, portrayed in that movie. And I, we actually had a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit, protect, uh, you know, defending one of those so-called Bond daddies back then. So, you know, it, it, I was surprised, but it was... Uh, Amazingly, what was happening in Wall Street was amazingly like what was happening in Memphis and back in the Probably other places too. Yeah. In fact, in Memphis, they were selling municipal bonds for the most part. All right. Well, that being said, 2004, we're off and running. Want to thank again our featured guest tonight making his debut appearance, Paymon Montajeda. RestoreFreedomRally.org. You can be there with us in Orlando about a month from now, a little less than. And uh, we got a lot to cover this year. A lot's going to happen. We'll be there to share it with you together. Love you, Keith. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to everybody else next week. Week number two of 52. How many weeks are in a year? 52. <laughs> That's what I thought. Number two of 52 coming up next week. Where will we be? Be there or be square. <laughs> this summer, this fall, a week before the election. We'll find out together. Together. Onward. Good night, everybody.